welcome online, welcome you that are here. I'm going to just face over this way, I think. We're heavy on this side. Man, you, uh, you guys didn't want to walk uh, too far, but I'm, glad, I'm gl so glad you're here. Uh, I'm glad anybody's here on a teen service day, right? Yeah, as soon as our uh, teens uh, go out, what a wonderful uh, group of uh, young people. We'll go ahead and turn to 1 John. We are talking about the real God, seeing God as he longs for us to see him. And we're talking about different characteristics of God. And in 1 John, we're going to look at the love of God today. Let me pray and we'll, we'll get started. Dear Father, I ask for your blessing upon the reading of your word, the studying of it. My words, as I seek to illustrate it in some small way and upon our minds and hearts, may we receive it. May we live it out in our life, and may we go to this world around us and tell it as we just sang. I pray for those that are struggling today that you would bless them. I pray that your love would challenge us to do your will and to live out our Christ-likeness, uh, the plan that you've called us to. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to look in 1 John in just a minute. We'll have uh, verses uh, on the screen as well. But a number of years ago, my family was sitting out in our backyard, and we decided to use our creativity, and maybe you're familiar with uh, you know, looking at the clouds, and we said, what, what kind of figures do you see in the clouds? And I remember someone saying, well, I see an alligator. And someone said, well, I see a man with a top hat smoking a pipe over here. And I think I see a dinosaur uh, over here. And I, I, I think it's forming into a heart over here. And, and someone in our family just said, I don't see anything but clouds. That's all that I see is I just see clouds. And uh, they weren't using their creativity. So I want you to use some creativity today. I'm going to ask you a couple questions, and uh, you don't have to answer out loud, but I want you to be thinking uh, about this creatively, okay? So if you're at home, I know there's distractions a lot of times at home, but I want you to use your creativity as well as everyone that's here. And uh, my guess is we'll have many different ideas. I'm going to say a word. I want you to think of this word and... Uh, just meditate on that for just a minute, okay? So here's the first word, bird, a bird. So think of a bird, all right? My guess is a lot of different thoughts. Somebody thought of a red bird, a black bird, a hummingbird, an eagle, or a hawk. Maybe you saw the little babies in the nest or a majestic bird uh, flying. Uh, a lot of different ideas that could come from that idea of bird. Now here's, here's my second one, game. Think of game, use your creativity. What comes to your mind when you think of game? And if you're online, you can go ahead and uh, love to have you text what you're thinking of. How many thought of a board game? Anybody in here thought of a board game? Okay, all right. How many thought uh, more of a sports team? We got March Madness going on, less than I expected really, okay. And uh, so we could think of a sports team, basketball, football, lacrosse, swimming, or you know, we could go down a list, or board game. Uh, I don't know what board game came to your mind, Monopoly, or uh, anybody wanna share what came to your mind? Scrabble, okay, good one. 
Hungry Hippo, all right. I thought of Candyland. I guess that's a stage of life uh, that I'm in. Now, here's the next word, and, and the other two are very less important, but really think about this word, God. What comes to your mind when you think of that word, God? All right, I'm not gonna have you answer. Maybe it's some majestic stars way out in the universe, and you just think of the bigness of, of God. Well, Tozer said this, what comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Tozer was a theologian from many years ago, and he said, what comes to our minds, when, when I said think about God, what came to your mind? That tells yourself more about you than probably you've ever thought of. And so we're in a series talking about the real God. Seeing God, how he longs for us to see him. He has revealed himself in his word. There's so much we don't know about God, but he has shared a lot about himself. And if we're not careful, we can have idols in our hearts. We can kind of form God into our image instead of allowing us to see God in his actual likeness. Second question, how would your view of God change since you've been in this series, you've been listening online? Uh, have you thought about God any differently? You've been attending the series, uh, hopefully in a small group. How has your view of God changed? See, God is wanting us to learn the characteristics, or theologians call it the attributes of God, the way God reveals himself, the things that he says about himself. And it not only reveals who he is, but when we look into the imagination, when we just think of that word God, it reveals a lot about ourselves as well. Last word, love. What comes to your mind when we look at the word love? Well, we look at a bird, games, not necessarily that important, but God, and when we think of love, what comes to your mind? How would you define love? What comes to your mind? What comes to your heart? Chip Ingram said this was a very difficult message for him to preach and chapter for him to write and to put a study guide together when it comes to this idea of love. How can we really grasp, how can we define it? Maybe we can put it in a picture or a story or a person or a moment in time. Maybe it brings such strong emotions of hurt or such strong feelings of security. I don't know what comes to your mind when you think about it, but we have different ideas about love. Now, we've, I wanted you to use your creativity. Now I want you to use your memory for just a second, okay? I'm going to tell you a little bit about a song, and I want you to finish the song off, all right? Elvis said this, I can't help falling, all right, in love. Okay, I want you to speak right now. Lionel Richie sang, my endless love. Okay, you guys are pretty good. Whitney Houston sang, I will always love you. Queen sang a song, this crazy little thing called, you guys are very good at these answers. You're doing really well. The Beatles said, all you need is Love. Mickey Gilly saying, looking for love in all the wrong places, right? Celine Dion saying, the power of 
love, and Huey Lewis had a song by that. The emotion said, you got the best of my, okay, the same answer, so pretty good, all right, keep on. The Jay Giles band sang, love, that stinks, okay, it had nothing to do with the sermon, so I just want to make sure you're awake and see how you would answer that, all right. And Dion Warwick said, what the world needs now is love, sweet love, right? Love. We understand love songs. We crave love. In this series, we're talking about the real God, and this year our theme is the truth sets us free. And if we can begin to grasp the love of God, there's tremendous liberty we can have in our life. We're going to look at 1 John, and 1 John talks about uh, the assurance of our salvation. John wrote St. John, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he wrote that book, and he tells us in John, the purpose of that book is so we can get saved, so we can know our sins are forgiven and we're going to heaven. He wrote 1 John, not that we would get saved, but to know that we're saved, that we would have the assurance of our salvation so we wouldn't question it. Some people get saved, but they question their salvation throughout their life, and so 1 John is intended to give us the assurance of our salvation. And he lays out through this book that our conduct is to change, that we are to be different as we grow in our Christian life. Our lifestyle should be different. There's spiritual growth that takes place as Garrett was was praying that there would be maturity in our daily life. When God created the world, he created man in his image. But Adam and Eve did something really bad, right? They disobeyed God. And at that fall, the image of God was severely marred. We still have that image. We're still created in the image of God, but we have lost a lot of that. We're born now with a sin nature. And the whole purpose of us growing in our Christian life is for that image to be restored throughout our life. We are to become godly or we are to become Christ-like. We no longer follow the things of the flesh, but we begin following the things of God. You see, when we understand who God is, we can begin living that out in our life. It should be who we become as well. First John, he says it this way in 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, God is light, right? In him is no darkness at all. He has no evil tendencies. He is totally sinless. He is holy, pure, and good. He is the light. That's what his glory is about. And we are to walk in the light because Jesus is in the light. 1 John 3, 3 says something similar. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he, God, is pure. When we understand how pure God is, we start becoming pure in our own life. We are to become more like Christ, more godly. In verse seven, it says this, little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. I see that God is righteous, and as I begin to follow him, I become righteous as well. And then in chapter four, the passage we'll be looking at today in verse 17, John said, love has been perfected among us, or we mature in our love, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in the world. So we see 
what Jesus is like, and as we begin following him, we become more like him. That's the goal of the Christian life, is that we become more like Jesus. That's what the apostle Paul prayed for Christians, that they would become more like Christ. That was his job as a pastor and as a leader, to help people to grow in their faith. A phrase we use often around here is just simply this, God loves you so much that he accepts you just as you are. Do you remember the evangelist Billy Graham when he would preach a message right at the end of, of that uh, message, he would sing a song, Just As I Am, and people would come and accept Jesus as their Savior. They didn't come and clean themselves up so Jesus would save them. No, they came just as they are. God loves you so much that he accepts you just as you are. Right now, God loves you. But, here's the second part of that phrase, God loves you too much to let you stay where you are. God accepts you where you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay there. He wants you to grow in your Christian walk. And as we learn about the real God, our life is to be changed. Our thoughts are to be different. Our feelings are to be different. Our decisions and our habits, our speech is to be different. That's what it means to become godly. So when we study about the love of God, if we can begin to grasp his love, guess what's going to happen to our own personal life? We will learn to love better. Someone said years ago, you have a husband and wife, they're freshly married, and they want to love each other. And the best way for them to get closer together is to get closer to God. And if they can get closer to God, they're naturally going to get closer together because they can understand love. You cannot love properly another individual till you grasp the love of God. So today we're going to talk about the love of God. I hope you're doing the family devotions. They're excellent, and this, was, this one is gonna be on a lost car, and uh, uh, you know, we have that online, how you can get it. If you don't know how to get it, contact the office. We'd love for you to be able to do those family devotions and make sure you're pouring into your kids and uh, learning about love in our small groups. Uh, whether you have them on Monday night online or you're coming here on Wednesday or meeting a different uh, night with your group, one of the questions that Chip Ingram asked is this. He said, read 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 18, and list five observations about God's love. And I hope you do that in your small group this week, five observations, not necessarily the teacher sharing, but everybody sharing some observations about God's love. Well, if you want to know how I prepare a sermon, that's basically what I do. I go through a passage, and I look at observations. I do some study on it, try to compare other passages of Scripture, make sure that my interpretation is correct, see how it applies to our life. And so I'm going to give you a couple of my observations. So in your small group, don't use my observations, uh, but uh, they're going to be so simple that it, you, probably some things you came up with as well. First is in verse 7, 1 John 4, verse 7. We're talking about observations about God's love. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. See that? Love is of God or love is from God. Here's my first observation. Love comes from God. I know you know I'm a really deep uh, Bible teacher, right? So here, here it is. Love comes from God. 
God is the one that emanates love. And to know true love, get closer to God. If you are struggling to love a difficult person, we all have difficult people in our life, right? It might be very close to home. It might be at work. It might be in the church or the community. It might be a political figure. You know, I don't know who it is. There are difficult people in our life where extra grace is required. How can I love them? You know, so often in, in counseling, people say, I, I just can't take it anymore. I can't love them anymore. Let me tell you the big issue. We get selfish, as we were talking about a little while ago, and we move away from God. If I can just be surrounded in the love of God, then I can be a catalyst to love other people. If you're struggling to love a difficult person, just simply get closer to God because love comes from God. And maybe everything's great. Maybe everything's wonderful in your home. But if you want to have a more loving family, if you want to have a more loving church, if you want to have a more loving sports team or classroom or whatever it is, just get closer to God. The more I get connected to God, the more I am apt to love God. Love comes from God. Now look at verse 8. This is going to be very deep, so really pay attention to this one. Verse 8. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. First, love comes from God. Let me give you the second thought. Do you see it? God is what? Love. God is love. God is not a force. Often we think of God as this energy or this power or this impersonal figure. He just winds up the, uh, the clock and sets it free and just lets the world, whatever happens, happens. No, God is a person. God has personality. These attributes that we're learning about show us that we're creating the image of God and the feelings and desires that we have emanate from God. Why do we sing love songs? Why do they, we grasp for love? Because we're creating the image of God and God is love. God loves so much that he hurts when you hurt. Hebrews 4 says that God is not a God that's sitting up on a throne that has no feelings but he is touched by our infirmities. He hurts when you hurt. And when we sin, God grieves. Because God is not just this energy, this force. God is a person that loves you. He created us for relationship. And this just seems unbelievable. And we've heard it so often in our life, we probably just let it pass. Just like John 3.16 we, we hear that verse, I know that verse, but let me tell you, John 3.16 just reminds us that God loves us. And let me remind you that God wants a relationship with you. But we can be so busy, we get up in the morning, we're rushing around. We got so many habits, so many plans, so many things we do, maybe we're not communicating with God. But God wants a relationship, and he is there waiting, desirous, to have a relationship with you. He's seeking after us, just like the story of the prodigal. The father wanted his son to come back. And everyone needs love. You imagine 
when a baby is born, immediately what do they seek to do to bond with their family? They want to be close to mom. They want to be touched. They want to be cared for. They need that nurturing in their life. That's why God places us there. No matter what your age, from the moment of your birth to being a senior and everywhere in between, we desire love. We want people to pursue us. We want people to accept us. And we want people that we can love, right? We all want relationship. No matter what your ethnicity, look at all the different cultures of the world. Every culture wants to be loved. They want to be respected. They want somebody that trusts them, that cares for them, that, wants, that chooses to spend time with them. No matter what your economic background is and where you are in your life, from those that are struggling immensely and those that are incredibly wealthy, we all desire love. And God is love. It's not easy to define this word love. God, God, his love is unconditional, never-ending, boundless. It is perfect. But how can you identify true love? How can you really sense that you are loved by someone? I think it's a general idea that love takes pleasure in another's well-being. If you love someone, you're happy when they're happy. It's not about them making you happy, it's about you making them happy. Love desires the best for another. That's why we give and we serve and we sacrifice and sometimes we even have to correct those that we love. That's what God has done for us. He has given and given and given. And if you want a, a real good understanding of love, just go to YouTube, type the real God, Chip Ingram, love of God, and listen to what he has to share. It's a wonderful message. And don't do it right now, but in about 15 minutes, go ahead and do that. It's a fantastic uh, message. Here's what Chip Ingram says. Love is giving what people need the most when they deserve it the least. That's a great definition. Love is giving people what they need the most when they deserve it the least. That's what God does with you and I. God is love. God wants a relationship with you, and God is seeking after us. That's why he died for us, that we could have a relationship through his death, burial, and resurrection. If you haven't accepted that love in your life, it's the greatest love that you will ever receive. God's love is unconditional, and we come by faith. Nothing that we do, we just accept his grace. His grace is unmerited. There's nothing we can do. It's undeserved. We can't be good enough. Okay, God, I'll go to church if you forgive my sins so I can go to heaven. Oh, God, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to stop doing this. None of those things bring salvation. If they could, Jesus wouldn't have had to die. He died that you and I could have eternal life, and by faith we trust him. But you know what? Many times Christians fail in the grace of God in this area. We say, yes, I believe that my salvation has nothing to do with my works, but I'm gonna earn God's love 
So I'm going to teach a Sunday school class. I'm going to sing in the choir. I'm going to be in church every week. I'm going to read my Bible for 30 minutes. I'm going to memorize Bible verses. I'm going to get in the small group. I'm going to pray this long. Whatever we want to put, all the things that we're doing, we look at God and say, now do you love me? And we misunderstand God's grace. It's a performance-based life. Today is every member of Minister Sunday. We are encouraging you to get involved and find a ministry, but we don't serve him so that he will love us. He loves us no matter what. Sometimes in my life, I've been on burnout and, and uh, just been frustrated or whatever, and I just mentally said, okay, I'm gonna quit. Today, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a Bible teacher. I'm just gonna stop doing everything for a minute. And as I sit and just say, okay, I don't have to do any of those things. God isn't going to love me more if I continue to be a pastor. God is not going to love me more if the church grows more. God's not going to love me more if I minister to other people. It has nothing to do with God's love. It is unconditional. It's not based on my performance. Do you understand today God loves you? And you can just quit for a minute and say, it has nothing to do with any of my ministries, the love of God. Outside of this. As I begin to bask in his love, and I meditate in his love, and I understand his love, then I can start sharing that love with other people. And that's what ministry is about. It's to be out of overflow of our life, not because we have to, but because we get to. Let me illustrate it this way. When a baby is born, what is it that that baby has done to earn mom's love. What did that baby do? We don't know their IQ. We don't know what their talents are gonna be. We don't understand their personality yet. Maybe we get a clue on some of those things, but we are uncertain of all these things. There are no accomplishments in that baby's life. There's so many unknowns, but you love that child, why? Not because of what they have done, but because of who you are. And you're willing to stay up late at night and to do all, oh, well, actually the baby does some things. They sleep a lot. I remember when my kids were young, it was three or four years ago now, but I remember, and they would lay down, you know, 20 hours uh, a night or whatever. I mean, they're sleeping long periods of time and just being able to look at them and watching their chest rise up and go down and rise up and go down. And I just love those little kids. They sleep, and they want to eat, and there's just one other thing they do, right? And I tried to stay away from that one as much as I could. That's all they did. But you poured your life into them. Why? Because you love. Understand that God loves you. Not based on what you do, but entirely because who he is. God is is love. That's what John is teaching us here. Here's my observations. Love comes from God. God is love. And then just one more. Jesus demonstrates the love of God. Look at verse 9 here. In this, the love of God was manifested. It was demonstrated, all right? How did God demonstrate his love? Well, let's see what he says. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us. That's us. Remember, God is love, and he is showering his love on us. For God so loved the world, he loves the entire world, 
but he also loves us and he loved you. It's amazing that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Jesus came to die that you and I could have life, that we would understand unconditional love. We live in a very selfish world. If evolution is true and it's just the survival of the fittest, we live in a terrible, terrible world. But there's a God that created this world and there's a God that demonstrated how much he loves you. And it's not about what you can accomplish, it's what Jesus has already accomplished through his birth and then in a few weeks we're gonna celebrate through his death, burial, and resurrection. In this the love of God was manifested toward us that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. And then verse 10 says this, in this is love. Not that we love God. God isn't looking down and saying, yeah, they are so good, I'm gonna send my son down to die for them. Man, they are so good, I'm gonna love them because of their actions. John was clear, he understood. Not that we love God, we fail. Anybody perfectly love God here? Anybody perfectly followed the Ten Commandments, never done anything wrong? No, all of us have failed. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. It simply means the forgiveness of our sins. Someone asked the question, what else does God need to do to really prove his love? He loves you. Let me close with verse 16. Jesus manifested the love of God. And notice verse 16. And we have known. If you were brought up in church, you know that God loves you. You probably could quote John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, right? God loves the world. We know it. We've seen, if we have read anything in the Bible, we learn that God loves us. If you have heard any Christian song or any Christian radio station, we quickly learn that God loves us. We know it. That's not really the question that I want to ask you today, though. Here it is. Do you really believe that God loves you? I mean, I've known it. I've studied my Bible since I was a, a kid and certainly since I was a teenager. I have learned about God's love. I've studied the word agape and what it says and the best I can comprehend. I've read what the Bible says about love. I've read books on love and stuff. But I have to tell you, there are times in my life that I've just questioned, does God love me? Look, look back at this verse. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. Do I really believe that God loves me right now? Maybe last night you did some things you shouldn't have done. You know what? God still loves you. Maybe you have some attitudes in your heart that are not pleasing to God, but I want you to know he still loves you. Maybe you're planning on leaving here today and doing some things that you know are not pleasing to our Savior, but he still loves you. 
Even if you have never accepted Jesus as your Savior, he is pursuing you. He has given us the greatest gift of all, and Jesus loves you and I. Believe it. Fully rely on him. Feel it. Experience it. Act upon it and live it out in your daily life. When I begin to understand the love of God, it is then that I can live this out in my daily life. Look at verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. You know, we all have some fears and anxieties. Do I really want to trust that person? Because the last relationship I was in, they broke my heart. Fear, right? I don't know if I really want to forgive my spouse again. I don't know if I can forgive my parents. I don't know <clears throat> if I can deal with this situation anymore. See, that's fear. We're caught up with how is this going to impact me? And God says this, perfect love casts out fear. When I begin to grasp his love, I don't fear any longer. When I understand as verse 19 says, we love him because he first loved us. Just take some time and spend with God. Maybe just say, you know what, it has nothing to do with my Bible reading today. Going to church, reading my Bible, even some things in my life. I'm just going to stop and meditate. Maybe I'll take a walk out and see God's beautiful creation. Maybe I'll just spend some time away from the computer, away from my cell phone, away from the television set, or all those things that can distract us, and I'm just going to meditate. Not that I love you, God, but that you loved me. And you know what? When I begin to comprehend his love, my love for him, we love him because of his love. And then verse 20, if someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. That's a pretty strong term, isn't it? I'm also going to start loving other people. For he who do, does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? Verse 21, and this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. We have up here on the stage is simply love God and love people, right? That's the great commandment. Love God and love people. But I can't do it on my own. I have to spend time meditating and simply allowing God's word to speak to my heart that God loves me. God loves you. And if God loves me, then I can start loving him. And if God loves me, I can start loving difficult people in my life. I can love my family. I can love my neighbor. And as Matthew says, even love your enemies. Why? Because we've allowed the love of God to pierce our minds and our hearts to where we really believe in. Let's just bow our heads for a moment. Dear God, help us to love you and to love others. 
by leaning in to your love. God, I think most of the people in this room and the majority of the people listening online, they have heard that you love them. But maybe they really haven't believed it. They haven't allowed it to pass that journey from mind to heart. Help us to believe it, God. Help us not to listen to the voices of this world or even the voices in our mind. The trickery of the evil one that tells us that you don't care. And God, as we love, help us to love others. Help us to share this message with those that are around us. I pray for our Easter services that we would invite family and friends to watch either online or to join us in our Resurrection Sunday services. May we share your love by our life and through our speech this week. Help us to love God, and I guess even more than that, help us to receive your love. In Jesus' name.